of attending the services today. Talking about out there, but he also mentioned in here. And this I know, unless God acts differently than he has in a long, long time. Some of you will leave today. Could be all of us, I don't know. Leave today without any effect of the gospel or the truth of God applied to our hearts. He also mentioned to you About Miss Lawson, I will add one to that if the Lord brings to mind. Larry's, Nancy's sister passed away yesterday. So, if you would remember her. Now this morning, I ask you to turn with me to First John chapter number 5. I've got... couple of verses here and one in Romans 14 that I will use and it has nothing or nothing is said in these as to for me to draw the title today and yet much is said These words just aren't used in the verses that I read. And I'd like to speak to you on practical Christianity, if the Lord will help. I couldn't get anywhere with this. As to get settled in my own mind, but that doesn't need be if the Lord will help. Practical Christianity. Now there are some books that have been written, one that quickly comes to mind is A.W. Pink, Practical Christianity, I think that's the title of the book. I don't remember, I'm not blessed like Charles Spurgeon with a photographic memory. He could read something and he he had it. And one of the the books that helped me in my early years was Spurgeon commenting on commentaries. And I don't know. I know there's way over a hundred, might be closer to two hundred commentaries that he read and later on sat down to write a brief synopsis of this is the writer and the benefits you will derive from it. I'm not blessed with that, so I don't recall 
anything about Mr. Pink's book being 30 some odd years ago that I read it. But I know that this is missing today and very possibly missing in your life. 1 John chapter 5. Verse, verse number 7, let's begin reading down through verse number 10, dealing primarily not in the way of exposition of verse 10, but hopefully being able to practically apply this verse to your heart. I hope you'll pray for a heart to receive ground that is not that is not plowed is ground that cannot receive the word of God so would you join with me as we pray for the Lord's help for his exaltation being magnified you and others here being able to receive. Our Father, unto thee belongeth all honor and all glory. Your being your great work of salvation. Being so great that as we sang angels, we'll in silence listen to the ransom church of God sing a song that they are unfamiliar with by way of experience. And those heavenly creatures were that have such a vast knowledge of thee. Have a greater interest in what's going on here than probably we do. It ought not to be, but it is. God help that we not settle down to a form, church going, congratulating ourselves as we walk out that we've been faithful one more time. God help. I pray you might open our hearts. I pray you might instruct, give words to challenge, to edify. Words that might magnify Thee. And so deal with us in grace and mercy to be hearers of Thy Word. God, help us this day. For Thy great name's sake, in Christ we pray. Amen.
1 John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Christ is the Word. He is the living Word. The translators of our of our Bibles knew that this was talking about the second person of the Godhead when it capitalized the word Word. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And you've got to have dealings with all three to be a Christian. The Spirit of God has got to take the Word of God, apply it to your heart, and wash you by the water of His Word. And you've got to, you should constantly be concerned about the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Dear ones, we live in a day when a lot of people are basing their eternal welfare upon somebody else having told them that they were a Christian because they followed some simple plan. Every child of God has got the witness within. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. You can't do that other than in your own mind and heart. God cannot lie. If God if there was a possibility of that, then God would cease to be God. You just make God a liar within. And you do not have to say that in words, silently, or to anyone else. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. He that believes God has the witness in himself. Now the word practical is concerned with actual doing or use of something rather than a theory or an idea. And the old Webster, I like I like 
the old Webster's Dictionary better than any of them. It's, it was very similar in defining the word practical. It means to be actively engaged in some course of action. Actively engaged in some course of action or occupation. Being much in practice... much in practice or effort. True Christianity, according to God's own testimony, recorded time and again, has an inward effect. It's not just some idea that lies lifeless on your head. Now, if you take the definitions that I have given you of the word practical, and you apply it to this and the greater part of the last century, you can say the term practical does not apply to Christianity anymore. It's gone. Practical, the actual doing, the use of something, to be actively engaged in some course of action, some occupation, being much more in practice or effect than in theory. Therein practical is totally opposite of a theory. And within the last hundred years, it first was introduced, they first got a hearing with the lawmakers of our land where they would put the word evolution in the public textbooks but they, they said if you give us that we'll call it a theory that's all we need just give us just give us space alongside the creationist view of how the world came into existence. Give us equal space. We'll call this a theory. Now, if you keep something before the eye and the mind of a society, it sooner or later will become a fact. And now evolution is a fact. With its beginning, simply putting in that, using the word theory, but we continued to use the word, and eventually the word theory was dropped. Now, scientists, with their experience, experiments, 
beginning with a theory or hypothesis, an educated guess, they'll set out to experience things time and time again until after multiple experiences they continue to get the same result then they drop the word theory and they put in this is a scientific law you know what a fool is don't you according to the old definition a fool is somebody that keeps doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get different results the next time he uses it. Well, theory became fact, and now fact of the creation has become a theory. And you trace that, if you go back home and read Psalm 2, why do the heathens rage and the people imagine the vain things and the kings of the earth and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and His anointed say, let us break their bands asunder. We don't want God ruling over us. We want to be free. We don't want to submit to a Lord. And guess what? Religion fixed it where you could do that. And they'd call you a Christian. But the devil's the devil and all his demonic beings, creatures, angels. They've been working ever since Satan failed to overthrow God. And it's just about so. In the minds of even God's people, everything seems out of order, chaotic. I mean, man lived with a theory for a long time that the world or our earth was flat. They were those trying to persuade the early explorers don't cross the Atlantic. You go come to a place out there when that's the end of all things and you're just going to drop off into whatever. And man lived for a long time believing that the sun moved around the earth and that the earth was stationary. But we've come to know better. The one thing that I cannot do for you, or you cannot do for anybody else, is prove that there is a God. And if anybody ever wants me to do that, I'll just leave them, walk away from them, because there's no use trying to prove or convince somebody that there is a God. I'll not give you one minute of my time to convince you that there is a God. I mean, you were born with that notion, but you've been killing it out.
if you're not following after and Christianity has become a course of action in your life now verse number 10 speaking about Christianity and the practical aspect of it it said that he that believes has the witness and that witness is the Holy Ghost but the Spirit of God will never establish within a heart the identity of anybody ever being a son of God till there is a breaking of you till there is convictions worked in your soul of your sinful condition till there is a humbling of the one that God is dealing with and all that I just mentioned is brought about with one holy encounter or one encounter with that majestic holy being we call God you remember in the book of Joshua maybe five the end of chapter four I don't I can't recall but there was a man standing over there with a sword drawn in his hand let me just find it you find it with me Joshua something something Joshua 5 Joshua 5 verse number 13 And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversary? He got to look like an ordinary man. Which, in Joshua's own perception, he approached him as such. No difference in this man than any that Joshua knew. But once there's a revelation, verse number 14, he said, Nay, but his captain, that right there, put Joshua on his face to the earth and he did worship and the man the man that or that that was perceived to be just a natural man became the Lord the captain of God's host and by that revelation Joshua fell on his face there are a lot of people that serve God in their own way that have never met Him. Could be you. Your service could be you being here. 
but you've never met him. Nothing beyond your own mental powers has ever convinced you and brought you into contact with the captain of the Lord's host. Now once that happens, conviction, you become a sinner. Well, I am a sinner. No, no. You become a sinner here. Not based on outward deeds, what you do, but based on who you are before God. There is a breaking of you, and there is a humbling of you, and the preacher became God's spokesman to your heart. Jeremiah, you go out, you pluck up, you pull down, you destroy. That's always the first work of God. God doesn't hold out His hand to anyone except those that the Spirit of God has made sinners. That's practical Christianity. That's practically being made in heart what we really are before God. Conviction brought about by the Spirit of God taking the holiness of God's law and setting it before you and saying, if you enter glory, you will come up to the demands of this law. You see, God... God's not this patrolman sitting up there that set down laws just so he can catch you. I was coming, I don't know if I'll tell you this or not, first one I've gotten in 30 years. Didn't amount to much, but I, when I got home, there was a letter waiting me from the state of Maryland. I'd, I had they they had the, my car and my tag on camera and I was and I was driving through a work zone 55 mile an hour 62 miles an hour on Saturday. The sign I thought the sign said when workmen were present, but I guess I I guess I misread that. Evidently, they just wanted the $40. Send us $40. This won't count against your record. They won't go on, on your record. God's not like that. God set down the law to establish His character and His holy being. And when the Spirit of God takes the holy law of God, it works guilt, it works poverty, it works utter helplessness. And then that leads you to Christ's finished work. You won't ever need Christ till you're made a sinner. Experientially, experimentally. Every one of you here this morning will admit to anybody else that you are a sinner. But I don't know if you believe that. 
If you actually believe that, and you knew that you were helpless to do anything about it, then you would pursue after the finished work of Christ, His blood and His righteousness. Attaining to a righteousness which you cannot in obedience to the law of God. You're going to fail there. You're going to have a selfish motive other than God's glory. And what I just told you is practical Christianity and how you can become a Christian. And I guarantee that it's not going to have an effect upon you. God's just not working. And you're going to walk out unaffected. Let me give you another verse. The 14th chapter of Romans. The 14th chapter of Romans and the 17th verse. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. But here's truth experienced. Here's practical Christianity. The kingdom of God is not this, but it is this. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now that can only be established in the heart by God the Spirit. Righteousness, peace. Folk, don't be persuaded that because there is the absence of trouble in your life and the absence of an undisturbed heart, that you have the peace of God reigning there. And don't mistake happiness for joy. A lot of things will make you happy. Seeing your best friend that you've not seen in a long time. Going on a vacation to a different spot you've never been before. Happiness. Seeing the children succeed in whatever aspect, uh, wherever direction they're headed. Happiness. Joy. Joy goes beyond outward circumstances, and the joy of God seeks itself. This is the kingdom. This is being in the kingdom of God. Joy. So if the thunder rolls and the lightning flashes, and the floodwaters rise and the foundations seem to be the broken up under you, there's still peace and joy in your soul, granted by the Spirit of God.
There are a lot of religions that have good creeds. And a lot of them have ceremonies, outward ceremonies that would put ours to utter shame. But that doesn't make it practical Christianity. Paul said true Christianity is internal and internal only and only God can work down in your soul to create righteousness and peace and joy there. I know you get tired of me harping on this. But so many in our day are caught up by this system developed by religion. A simple, easy plan where you can do something and become a Christian. Just accept Jesus. You tell the preacher, you're baptized, and go on your merry way. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy he hath, he hath saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And in that little simple plan, and I've heard it for forty some odd years, you can take Jesus, just accept Jesus today and later on if you want to make Him Lord, then you can do so. There is no salvation apart from Lordship salvation. None. You can't divide the person of Christ. You can't have Him in one aspect and not in all aspects. Now, if you will Google, you can you can get several sermons that will refute everything I just told you, where they say that you can be a Christian without receiving Christ as Lord. Listen to it if you must, but when you have, go back to the Word of God and see. He that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. This is eternal life, that they believe in the Lord Jesus. He who gave himself to redeem us from all Iniquity. That's practical Christianity. You've got one sin. One sin. That's dear to you. And you keep clinging to it. You don't have the right to call yourself a Christian today. He came to redeem you. From all iniquity. Now does that mean that you will that you will one day become perfect in your conduct and in your language and in your ambition? No. But it means that there won't be one known sin in your life that you're holding on to. You'll you'll get rid of all of them. 
Jesus died to purge you from every last known sin and to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. My soul, how many Christians do you know? that are actively engaged in pursuing Christ. It's an everyday ambition. It's an everyday work. That eliminates most you know. Does it you? The converts to this system that I just told you about will admit, as you do, that the, that the Bible is the Word of God. They will agree with everything that is written. They won't object to one thing that they read in this book. But it's dead. As far as wise counsel... It's dead as far as holy living. It's dead as far as drawing them after Christ. And they read the book, but it makes no demands. And it gives no instructions as to daily living. They have no God-given faith that makes real Righteousness, peace, and joy. And so they signed a piece of paper that said they accepted Jesus. Well, that's, that's theory. Nothing happened within. Nothing changed about their lifestyle. Or they might have buffed off the rough edges and started living more acceptable in front of folk because that's what they were supposed to do. But their accepting Jesus has no daily application. Hungering hearts to deal with every day of the week. Thirsting souls that continue looking and longing for one more, one more drink from that fountain of living water. You can tell me if you are a Christian or not by hungering, by telling me you got a hungering heart. That aches so that you do something about it. A thirsting soul that, that thirsts so you do something about it. And that you live in a daily warfare. Now this says peace, but that doesn't take away from you the warfare. I battle me greater than any being. I battle
battle facing the deadness of a book or the coldness of a closet where the ceiling seems to be more brass than open. I battle that. Inward corruptions that that I do not know the depth. Don't think what I'm talking about or call what I'm talking about the ordinary struggles of life. Paying the bills. The physical workload. The family. Every person goes through that, but don't call that suffering for Jesus. It's got nothing to do with it. I'm talking about inwardly. The Christian and the mere convert produced by man's efforts, they pick up the same Bible, They might even utter the same words in prayer, sit in the same building called the Lord's house. But the practical Christian is a seeking Christian, sitting down, going to work on Monday through whenever you have to work, entering the closet, You you don't get or or get up and, and walk out satisfied if you didn't have the ear of God and you didn't feel like that your heart was able to express itself fully before the Lord. You don't call it prayer because you said a few words in the in Jesus' name, Amen. And you don't call it worship because you sit down on a pew and you and you sing and you listen to the devotion and you listen carefully to the preaching of God's Word. You don't call it worship. There's more to it. There's our heart going out. That's practical. Can I say religion? Practical Christianity. Gone. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8. Boy, that. If you keep on looking at Scripture after Scripture, verse after verse, you keep narrowing the way down the path. And you keep narrowing in the gate. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And the Spirit of Christ within a man begins to work by conviction, bringing you to utter hopelessness and helplessness and you can't do. And then setting Christ before you. God will never set Christ before you till you become a Actual, realized sinner. I give you one last verse that I could give you hundreds. Psalm 68. The 
way I felt all day yesterday, I kind of wished I could have remembered some of the things that Mr. Pink said about practical Christianity, but I guess it's good that I couldn't. You're wondering why didn't you just pick up the book and read I gave it to somebody. I don't have it. Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen. I said two. I said one, two, eighteen. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for me for men. Yea, the rebellious also. When Christ ascended. He led captivity captive and brought those that were in bondage to sin, or is in the process of doing that, the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And listen, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us. With benefits is just just added, I think it does a little harm here. Even the God of our salvation, who daily loaded, think about that, carries a load, bears our burden. That's what the word means. God the Lord bears our burden. Jesus said, cast thy burdens upon the Lord. Or the psalmist said, cast thy burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain thee. I'll give you a peace within that passeth all understanding, which shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. My soul followeth hard after thee, O Lord. And you're going to walk out condemned if you don't apply by the Spirit and begin following after the Lord. And having the Spirit of God make you aware that you belong in the kingdom of God.